60% of mothers don't breastfeed as long as they intend to, according to the CDC. And it's a topic that can cause some tension or even guilt because every mother has different challenges. But it's Breastfeeding Awareness Month, so today we're talking about the benefits and challenges of breastfeeding with a trained lactation consultant who helps mothers work through these difficulties on a regular basis. The American Academy of Pediatrics and the World Health Organization recommend that infants be exclusively breastfed for about the first six months and breastfed in addition to eating appropriate foods for one year or longer. But the CDC says only one in four infants is exclusively breastfed for six months. Even though breastfeeding isn't right for everyone, we're addressing the most common challenges in hopes of helping the mothers who want to nurse. That's in this episode of our Unprivate Parts podcast. Welcome to Unprivate Parts, a podcast hosted by Women's Hospital. Join us as we pull back the proverbial curtain with honest discussions on women's health and the uncomfortable subjects we all want answers to. Welcome to the Unprivate Parts Podcast. I'm Melanie Bear, and joining us today is certified lactation consultant, Cynthia Evans. So we're going to start off first by welcoming you, Cynthia. Why don't you give us an idea of how you became a lactation consultant and what you do on a daily basis? Okay, sure. So um, I've been working here at Women's Hospital for about 23 years. I started as a nurse tech, um, then graduated from nursing school as a registered nurse. Worked in mother-baby for many years and then cross-trained into the lactation department. And that led into um, the interest of becoming certified as a CLC here at Women's Hospital. And so, um, and now I'm strictly in the lactation department um, and I've been in there for, for many years. Now you go into the hospital room and help a mother of a newborn right after she gives birth, right? Um, so yes, yeah, so we do see, um, we go into the recovery room or into the delivery room as soon as the um, baby is delivered, as long as everyone is stable. Um, baby should be skin to skin. And so we do see those moms um, initially right after birth, but we also follow them through their stay here in the hospital, which is a little more in depth. Um, that first consult is really just to kind of educate them, get that, that baby usually feed really well right after delivery. And then we see them you know, once a day, twice a day, three times a day. It really just depends on the need. But we do see every breastfeeding mo- mother every day. And that those first few days can be the toughest when you're trying to get your milk to come out. So I do want to talk about that. But you also help mothers who have then been discharged and gone home and they're having a hard time breastfeeding. It's not easy for everybody. And I had three. I know you had two. You breastfed yours. I breastfed mine as well. And all three were different. Right. Um, The first, as I mentioned, was very painful. And I think that's a a common uh, issue we'll talk about as well. Um, But at what point do you think people need to seek help when they're trying to breastfeed? I think from the very beginning, we do have something um, that's great. It's our virtual breast time consults. Um, and we do that twice a week on Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, that can be set up online at womens.org or calling our department. And a lot of times that's how it's initiated because they call, we counsel them on the phone, and we see that they the need for them to, to be seen. And, and the virtual consults work really well because mom's at home. She's in her own environment. She's comfortable. She has everything that she needs. She doesn't have to pack her baby up and go somewhere. Um, and the other thing is that she has to do it. We're not doing it for her. Like, or we're not, you know, we, a lot of times in the hospital, we'll do it for you. And then we want you to return the demonstration. At this point, she has to do it herself. And so it helps because she's, she's learning through that, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and so 
a lot of times, I mean, even for the virtual consults, I mean, we have a baby doll and a, a, a like a pillow breast, and um, we can demonstrate with that so that she can see what she should be doing, and in return, she fixes her her issues. Um, sometimes a virtual consult is just a face-to-face, -face, you know, my mom strictly needing some counseling um, and not doesn't want to do it over the phone, you know, so that's a, a great option too. Um, it's a great support, you know, a support program for the moms at home. Like I said, and then um, sometimes it's just a pumping mom. Maybe we need to check a flange size or we need to, is the pump working correctly? Um, so it's, it's a great resource. Um, we also have our warm line and that's, that is around the clock. Um, we do, we, we are here taking calls 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. But if it's an emergency, it rolls over to the nursery and someone can help them if we're not available. And I'm glad to hear about all those resources because breastfeeding moms really do need support, they whether do, it's mentally absolutely. or physically. It's it's not easy. And so there are so many challenges with it. And I think every now and then you'll hear the diamond in the rough who says, I just loved breastfeeding. I had no problems. And I even met a mother the other day who was breastfeeding two children at once oh, at different yes. ages that happens through all her the time. pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I thought that was so rare. Yeah. I'd never heard of that. Uh, but I think for the most part, there are some amount of challenges that come with breastfeeding. And is if you know those challenges in advance and can work through them and come up with proactive solutions or uh, have a place to go once you, um, once you experience those challenges, then I'm pretty confident based on what you're telling me that you can work through almost anything. Absolutely. And that's the biggest thing to understand. Our moms need to understand that it is hard. I mean, it's, you know, um, it's, it's not easy those first several weeks, but it's, it's worth it to get through those first two or three weeks and see the outcome. That, and then it is easy. That first feeding is just wonderful. When they put that baby on your chest and baby skin to skin, and then the baby feeds great. I mean, it's just so rewarding. And then it goes into the challenges, of course, of the baby, you know, the first 24 hours, um, baby has to recover just like mom has to recover. And so I think that's the biggest thing for moms to understand is that it's okay during that first 24 hours. If your baby is stable, uh, it's okay that you just do skin to skin and the baby's not interested in feeding. Um, and then, of course, into the second 24 hours, then baby needs those calories. Baby has to eat at least eight to 10 times a day. So knowing what to expect from delivery to the first 24 hours into the second 24 hours into when your mature milk is present, usually about day three or four, sometimes even longer. It's kind of individualized. Um, so knowing all of that is huge. If, if they can educate themselves, there's um, we offer classes here. You can register online. Um, there are Zoom classes. So lots of resources for sure to, to start that education and then we continue it. And then even after discharge, we have we have all those resources. And I do want to say before we get into the specific and most common challenges through all those stages of breastfeeding, I do want to say that there is no judgment here and every situation is different. Right, and as exactly. long as the baby is getting fed, that is the most important thing. And so we're here just to provide information for those moms who would like to explore what it could be like or how they could alleviate some of the issues right, or concerns right. that they have exactly. so that they could get the benefits of breastfeeding. The CDC says that infants who are breastfed have reduced risk of asthma, obesity, type 1 diabetes, severe lower respiratory disease, uh, ear infections, sudden infant death syndrome, gastrointestinal infections. Anything else you can add to that? Um, gosh, it's, there's so many, you know, benefits. Um, the 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 antibodies in the colostrum and leading into the mature milk 
um, it's basically like it's an, um, their own immunity, you know. Um, There's not a better immunity. Right, there, right. Yeah. And so um, I think that's the biggest, you know, um, one of the biggest benefits. Um, and, and the bonding, you know, bonding for, for mom and baby, um, you know, babies chest to chest, skin to skin. Um, for weeks on weeks, that doesn't have to just be the first 24 hours, the first 48 hours, you know. Um, benefits of the baby being skin to skin are numerous. You know, it's very regulating. It regulates the baby's blood sugar, heart rate, breathing, body temperature, um, you know, all of those things. So some, I think that's a great list that you, that you, you know, gave us. And even for the mom, there are additional benefits. Oh, sure. Uh, high, it helps reduce the mother's high blood pressure, uh, type 2 diabetes, ovarian cancer, breast cancer. It helps reduce all those risks. Yes, yes. Even postpartum depression reduces the risk for postpartum depression. Really? That's mm -hmm. interesting. Okay. Yeah, and um, the hormone that they're releasing when they breastfeed helps their uterus to contract and shrink mm -hmm. back down to pre-pregnancy size. Okay, let's go through the most common challenges women have, starting with issues with latching, with lactation and latching. Uh, you say breastfeeding shouldn't hurt. Right, right. Even in the beginning, it, it hurt for me, not in the first... Um, two weeks, but then it started to hurt. And so that's an indication you say that something is wrong. Right. Yeah, right. Sure. It's, it should not be painful to where you cannot tolerate a feeding. Um, I'm not saying it's not going to be sensitive or tender or different. It's a different sensation. Um, you know, I kind of explain it to my moms as, you know, um, just kind of sit on your hand, you know, kind of pinch your hands squeeze your hand, the skin on your hand over and over eight to 10 times a day. And that little spot's going to be a little tender. It's mm -hmm. not going to be painful to where you can't touch it, but it's going to be tender. Your body, you have to adjust to that. Um, a lot of times that initial latch is a little, a little tender, a little sensitive. And then within 30 seconds, you should feel a normal tug and a pull and you should not have that pain. Um, so no, breastfeeding should not be painful to where you cannot tolerate a feeding. If that is the case, we, we need to step in, whether it's here or at home. You know. Does that usually mean that there's not a proper latch? Exactly. Um, a proper latch, should you should feel a normal tug and a pull sensation, not a pinching, um, a pinching, biting, um, a, you know. So, And that proper latch is so important because that's what leads to a good milk supply is a proper latch. You know, so if you can, if you're stimulating your breast with a proper latch eight to ten times a day, you should have a good milk supply for outcome from that. And how do you know if the milk is coming out uh, because, or if enough is coming out because the baby can be sucking on your nipple because that is a comfort reflex for a baby to do. And you're not sure if the baby's getting Right. And that's milk. one of the things that we point out here in the hospital is, you know, one, um, the proper latch, you know, a wide, deep latch, um, what the baby should look like when that, you know, we can, a lot of times we'll go in and, you know, mom's like, oh, yeah, things are going great. You know, well, okay, well, great. Let's watch a feeding. And then, and it is going great but for them, you know, because they don't really know any different at this point. But when we kind of correct, even just a minor adjustment, um, they're like, moms are saying, oh, my goodness. Like, I feel the difference. I see the difference. Now I see this is this is how it should be, you know. So it could be and the way they're holding the baby? So it could be position. Um, the, the most common thing is position. We, we want baby up high, close to mom. We don't want mom leaning to baby. Mom needs to be comfortable too. She's feeding eight to ten times a day. She needs to be comfortable. Lots of support around pillow support um, and good control of the baby, you know, bringing baby to her um, and then getting that good deep latch. And then once the baby's latched, 
Um, you should, mom, they should see a long jaw movement in the baby's mouth, like from the ear down to the jaw. And so when you see that good rocking motion and during the colostrum phase, baby has to suck probably five to 10 times and then swallow and then do it again. Biggest thing is mom has to stimulate baby to continue to do that during the feeding. Um, not all the time, but for the first several weeks, it is important. Gently massage the breast, stimulate the baby, feed skin to skin. All of that keeps the baby nutritively nursing, which means actively nursing, suck, sucking and swallowing, not just sucking and like as if it was a pacifier. And there's a difference. That's up and down, quick motion. The long jaw movement is the nutritive nursing. Ah, uh, okay. And so, and then they can either see or hear the swallows. And that's, again, what we're in there pointing out to them. You and know. every two or three hours in those every first Every two to three hours or on demand. And so, you know, if, if you try it two hours and baby's not ready, I always say, if you're awake, keep your baby skin to skin. Wear your baby if you're awake. Um, and then that way, as soon as baby shows you a feeding cue, you can bring baby down and feed again. So, so Cynthia, even if it is painful for you, uh, and you see a lactation specialist and you, you change the position of the baby, you change the position of your nipple. Uh, sometimes it's still very painful. There is such a thing as the nipple being too big for the baby's mouth. Uh, in which case there are nipple shields. Is mm -hmm. that something you explain what a nipple shield is? And is that something that you guys use very often? Uh, we do use a nipple shield. Um, it's not, we, we try not to use it um, too soon because it is, Sometimes it's hard for the baby to pull colostrum through the nipple shield because it's a smaller amount and it's thick. Um, and, and the thing with the nipple shield is, is the baby still has to have a good latch. The baby can't just get on the tip of the nipple shield. That's not going to be effective. That's, there's no way they're going to transfer any colostrum or milk on the tip of the nipple. Um, so they still have to be wide and deep. Um, so we do use a nipple shield. Um, sometimes it's a last resort. We, we try to do everything that we can before that because it does come with precautions as well. Um, and, and it, when it works, it usually works, works really well. Um, as far as the nipple being too big, you know, we do see that sometimes if we have a, a large nipple and the baby has a small mouth, um, even with the nipple shield, those first several days, baby can't pull the colostrum through, um, you know, the nipple shield. So we have to, we have to kind of compromise at that mm -hmm. point. You or know. if the nipple is damaged. If the from, nipple is damaged, sort of beat up. right. Yes. And so we can use the nipple shield for that as well. It kind of protects the nipple, but again, it comes with precautions, um, it's something between mom and baby, so it's indirect stimulation, um, which is not, it's not terrible. I mean, like I, I always tell my mom, so if this is how you're going to breast, if this is how you can breastfeed your baby, there's nothing wrong with it at all. I mean, that's, you just put the nipple shirt on and feed the baby. The first several weeks, we just do a little extra pumping um, because again, it's something between mom and baby, so it's indirect stimulation. So we really want to make sure that we give it our all. So we add in a little extra stimulation to make sure that we're going to, um, have a good outcome for our milk supply. And even if that doesn't help with the latching or the pain, you could pump, which is Absolutely. what I had to do for my first. Now, the second and third didn't hurt. So it's interesting how it changed with each child. Right. Um, but then you could always move to pumping if you need to and store that milk so that it's still breast milk. Oh, absolutely. We have a lot of moms that choose um, initially on admit. They'll say, um, you know, I'm not going to put the Put the baby in your breast. I'm just going to pump and bottle feed my breast milk. And that's wonderful. I always tell them that is still breastfeeding. You are still pumping your breast eight to 10 times a day. You're it's a full-time job. It, it is. is. And you're still providing the breast milk um, for, for the baby. It's just not directly from you. So that is still breastfeeding. And that's that should be 
you should be rewarded for that. That's that's good. It's and that's why I think a lot of moms kind of say they they kind of shy away and say, "Well, I might just want to pump." And I'm that is fine. That's your choice. That's your decision. We'll support you in whatever you want to do. Um, if you want to provide breast milk for the baby, the you mom know. guilt is horrible all around. It's sad. It we all do the best we can yes. as long as your baby's getting fed. Which leads us to number two: concerns about infant nutrition and weight seem to be a deterrent or a reason why people will stop or consider stopping breastfeeding. Right, right. That's dead. That's big. Um, especially those first couple of days here in the hospital, because they do feel like the baby should be um, taking in more than what he or she is. And so, um, you know, we always tell them if baby latches correctly, um, we see some good sucks and swallows. We look at the baby's output and we look at the baby's weight loss. And that's how we can tell those first several days of life, is the baby getting enough? Um, and if it's medically necessary, we, you know, um, the doctors will intervene, will suggest, you know, intervention as well. Um, but that's, that's, that's another um, part of that education in the beginning that they kind of need to be aware of. You know, um, each time your baby latches, if your baby is latching correctly, sucking and swallowing, um, your baby's going to get what he or she needs for for the stomach the stomach size, and so that's important for them to know. And we even have you know a little little um, on the feeding sheet we have the days of life and the stomach size. So those first couple of days they can actually see, okay, this is what your baby's is getting right now, and it's enough because that's the size of your baby's stomach. And for any soon-to-be mom who hasn't been through this yet, there there is a card that you would fill out every time you feed your baby. You write what time and if you're breastfeeding, from what breast you fed and uh, and for how long. Right. And so that helps you to keep track. But again, you don't know exactly how much milk the baby's getting, but it's my understanding that the number one indicator that the baby is getting enough milk other than the weight when the weight is checked is the diapers. Right, wet and dirty diapers. And that's exactly how we... We look at all that, you know, when we we look have our patients in, in you know, mother baby, that's part of their assessment, you know, checking um, output, checking feedings for us, same thing. You know, we look at all that. In each day of life, the requirement changes. And so if they're not meeting that requirement, then that's a that is a medical need for intervention. Sure. What can you do, if anything, to get the milk or the colostrum to come in quickly or to increase? Is there anything you can do during pregnancy or even labor or right after labor? Um, right after labor, if, if mom and baby are stable, that first um, skin to skin is, is so important. Um, and it's before the bath. So baby still has Vernex, um, you know, um, and then baby can goes right to mom's chest and can smell mom's colostrum. Um, and, and honestly, if we leave baby skin to skin for a long period of time, that baby would latch himself. Here's the, it's, it's, it's instinctive, right? It's, but it does take like, it, it can take hours for that to happen. Well, we know realistically, you know, we we're in recovery, we have to go to another room. Um, and so we leave them skin to skin. And as soon as they show us those cues, which are usually pretty quick, we we help them, but if we if we didn't, we and that baby would bob right to the breast and latch latch himself, which is it's human amazing. nature. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, it, yes. it is. So I think you know, um, you know, pre prenatally, you really you can't you can't do anything unless your doctor okay's that because that can stimulate labor. And so if it's if the doctor is okay with you stimulating your breast at a certain point gestation wise, you know, that's between you and the doctor, but. 
really initially right after delivery, that skin to skin, that first feeding. Um, and then um, the amount of colostrum does, you know, a lot of moms will see if they're hand expressing. Let's say we have to hand express for some reason. Um, it's, it fluctuates. The amount of that colostrum is going to fluctuate. And sometimes a pump may not pull the colostrum out. So that's something that it, that's important that moms need to know. Don't get discouraged by that. If you're pumping and we don't see anything, you're still pumping to stimulate your, your breast and fluctuate those hormone, hormones and tell your body we, we need to get some mature milk here in, you know, three to four days. And so feeding skin feeding and skin to skin eight to ten times a day, those first several days of life, that's what's going to get um, give you a good outcome for your milk supply. Or even what do you think about the nutrition of the mother and staying hydrated? Does that sure, have an effect? Sure, she definitely needs to stay hydrated. She's usually those first couple of days, they're very um, hungry and thirsty. Um, and they're burning extra calories, you know, so she needs to take in extra calories as well. And that has an effect on the milk supply? It, it can. It can. Um, yeah, she she definitely needs to stay, um, you know, I always tell, you know, so we talk about three meals a day, some good snacks in between, and drink to your thirst, you know. Or you'll get cranky. There's a potential <laughs> you'll get cranky, too. I can vouch for that. Uh, okay, so we talked about issues with lactation and latching, concerns about infant nutrition and weight. The third most common reason that women have challenges is the mother's concern about taking medications while on breastfeeding. And you said um, when we spoke earlier that anxiety and depression is a common medication that mothers worry about mm -hmm. because it is, it's a common uh, problem now. Right, right. That's addressed. Yeah, and so I think, again, prenatally, if you, um, you know, talk to your OB and then if you've already have your pediatrician picked out, you know, that's something that you need to discuss with them because um, there are medications that are safe to take and breastfeed. And so if you happen to be on one that is not, maybe there can be an adjustment. But we also have to look at the benefits outweighing the risk as well. So we have to look at the whole picture when it comes to that as far as, if it's not a, if it's not wise for mom to change a medication that she cannot breastfeed on, again, that's a, that's something that she can't help. I mean, that, she should not feel guilty about that. You know? What about the medicine from childbirth, and maybe especially if you've had a C-section? Whatever we usually, what's given here is is safe, um, unless it happens to be an emergency or you know, even in that in in that case, the report that's given. All the meds are given, and if there's a red flag, um, then we, we look that up, and then we report it to the pediatrician. It's ultimately the pediatrician's decision if the, if the mom can provide that milk for the baby according to a medication. We can provide the information. We, we use um, Thomas Hill's medications in milk um, as a reference, and so we can look that up on our internet here at the hospital. We have a book in the – so everybody has access to it. Um, and it's certain categories that we can we, – we, look at. Um, and so we provide that information for the pediatrician and it's their decision if they are okay with the baby, you know, breastfeeding if the mom's on a certain medication. Number four is unsupportive work policies and lack of parental leave. This really breaks my heart. So how common do you think this is? And what um, do you I don't, I think it's, it can be, it can be a, a challenge for sure. Um, and you know, at that point I would hope that, um, moms would talk to their employers and see, you know, is there something that they can work out? You know, um, I have, you know, we talked to some moms about it. I mean, it's, it's a, can you go in your car? I mean, it, you know, it's, it's just, it is a challenge, but I mean, I think, um, and then we have our hands free pumps now. Um, they're Isn't not, that amazing? you know, they are, they are, um, 
they are very handy as far as in the workplace. Um, and so if that's an option, if that's your only option, then that's a great option. Um, and those, the, the hands-free pumps are great once your milk is established. You know, we don't want to really use that in the first several weeks um, because it's just not quite as effective as your traditional electric pump. Right. So it doesn't pull out as much milk. And right. I did notice that I was able to use it with my my third just a couple of years ago. So much has changed in the past 10 right. years. If those hands-free pumps were around in the past uh, 10 years ago, they weren't very common yeah. and they weren't covered by insurance. But right. now it seems that a lot of insurance companies, if not uh, most or all, are covering breast pumps and a new one with each child or pregnancy. Right. Go ahead and get get everything ready so that if you can, you know, some some companies will allow you to do it before you deliver and some have to wait till after you deliver. And so, you know, get out, kind of get all of all that, get all that together. So that, that way, you know, when you come into the hospital, you can let us know, Hey, I had, cause that's one of the things we're going to always ask you, do you have a pump at home? You know, we, we, every mom should have a pump as a backup. We don't know what's going to happen at home. And so of course we can hand express, but um, we do, we do want to make sure that every mom has a pump, even if it's just a manual pump. If baby's breastfeeding wonderful and their, you know, their, their insurance pump is not going to be in for a week, well, we can send them home with a manual pump. That's fine as a backup. But if they're solely pumping for some reason, then they need a good electric pump. And so, again, if, if theirs is not going to be in for two weeks, then we have an option to rent the hospital pump, you know. And so those are the things that we talk to them about each day that they're here. And, the and even after. I mean, I have a lot of moms that call and get home, um, and they are, you know, using their pump, their, their pump at home, and they want to, they're interested in renting the hospital pump. So, you know, that there's a, a lots of options. For I that. did that but, as well. It is yeah, stronger. It is. It is a little more, it is more effective um, than the, than the traditional pump at home or the electric pump over the counter. Um, and so, you know, but sometimes financially, you know, moms can't rent the pump. And so we have to, we have to have other options, mm -hmm. you know. And those hands-free pumps, are so interesting because I know people now, I know women now who are teachers and they put them into their bras and no one can even tell. Oh, yeah. And they teach the whole day while they're pumping. Right. We have several, a lot of our nurses, I mean, work 12 hours. So they, you know, sometimes they have to do that. Again, know? it doesn't pull as much, but, right. but you can keep it in longer. Right. And, and then you just make up for it when you're with your baby, right. you feed your baby more often. Or if you're pumping at home, um, exclusively pumping, then you use your traditional electric pump at home. It holds you over. Right. It'll hold, it, yeah. right. It'll keep the milk right. supply. Right. Exactly. Uh, and I, and I don't know how common this is, but I found in my, I went back to work after two months for my first. And during those two months, since I had to pump, I pumped so much that I was able to build a supply for when I went back to work. Is that something that is common that women are able to do? Oh, absolutely. We and that's another thing we get a lot of calls about is um, how can I start to store you know some extra milk um, leading into going going back to work or you know I just want to have extra milk. I, I'm you know months in and I want to start. I want my husband to start you know feeding my baby a bottle if, if he if I'm not around. You At know? least one feeding a day yeah, helps. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean that's um, I, that's very common. We get and we talk about that here in the hospital too because you actually you know once you get home that mature milk um, you know day day after day your volume is going to increase um, and usually by about day five to seven is when you see those big changes and so. The, you know, baby's stomach again is is increasing in size, but they still may not need the amount of milk that you have in your breast. And so, if 
baby feeds well from one side, but not the other side. Um, baby's full, does not, you know, content, happy, gaining weight, having good wet and dirty diapers. Well, we don't want to leave that other breast full. And so we pump that breast to soften it and we store that. We store that milk. So, and, and that's how you can get engorged. Exactly. If you don't. Right. In um, those first several weeks, that's, you know, it's very important to move milk and soften both breasts per feeding. We don't want to leave one full. That absolutely leads into engorgement, which can lead into mastitis, which is not fun for the mom at oh, all. Oh, it's, it's so painful. I was engorged once. Right. And you have to do everything you can to get the milk yes. out. Uh, have you experienced that? I know you breastfed two of yours and you said you didn't mind talking about that. Had, were, have you ever been engorged? Oh, absolutely. Yes. So my my daughter was five weeks early, so and she was she went to NICU for a night, and then came to me to the room, and she was jaundiced, and we had some issues. So, uh, being early, you know, she wasn't quite as effective at the breast as a forty week baby would be. So, um, I mean, I can remember being at home with the hospital pump right next to me, you know, um, and just working through that. So, but in it, engorgement is common, but we don't want it to lead to mastitis because. Sometimes you can't control the engorgement. If your milk, I mean, you might, mom might wake up on her fourth morning and bam, there she's, you know, her breasts are full of milk and that, that happened over the last, you know, three hours. And, and so it's sometimes you just can't control the engorgement, but the best way to prevent it is to move milk frequently. So we say every two to three hours, but you know, if you're, let's say an hour and a half or close to two hours, baby's not ready to eat, but you are severely uncomfortable and full, then, you know, pump or express a little bit just to kind of move that, that milk off so that you don't get, get, get to that point. You or know. sometimes you could be in a public place and hear a baby <laughs> yes. cry and it's not your baby. And what happens? And that's right. I hope you have some pads, some nursing pads on. <laughs> yes. Because it's just the body's natural reaction to hearing the baby cry. Or yes. if you're trying to pump. Oh, yeah. Your hormones are you know, all over. Mm -hmm. Or if you look at a picture of your baby, mm -hmm. it sometimes helps to stimulate production, right? right? It did for me. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times we tell our, you know, we have our NI moms, the our moms that are in-house in their mother baby room, but babies are in NICU. Um, you know, if, if NICU is allowing, you know, if everything's okay, baby's stable enough, mom can go and um, pump by the baby, which is great. It's great mm -hmm. for mom and baby, you know. Okay. And number five, cultural norms and lack of family support. So we touched on this a little already, and I know there are organizations that can help. Do you find this to be a common deterrent? Um, I, y yes, but not, it's not too common. Um, I feel like if the moms are, or have their, their mindset, um, as far as what their goal is, um, you know, here in the hospital, we kind of hear, you know, visitors, um, you know, their input. Um, and then, you know, we just kind of you know, redirect back to mom and we talk about the benefits and, you know, um, and so I, I, the family support is, is huge, you know, and a lot of times, I mean, especially, um, you know, as far as nighttime feedings, um, you know, if, if there's if you're doing several things to try to to make breastfeeding work for you, it's hard for one person. Mm -hmm. It really is, you know. Especially so with multiple it's, children, right? Whether it's a yeah. you know a grandmother, an aunt, a sister, um, you know, dad, of course. Um, so I mean, it's you know, it, you definitely need support, yeah. and I think you need support of other breastfeeding moms as well that can tell you it's going to be okay. Push through. 
push yeah. through and, and I promise it's going to get easier. Um, it's going to be worth it in the end. Yeah. You know. And so it, look, if you can prevent the ear infections or help prevent <laughs> right. them or help reduce them, that in itself is huge. Yes. Um, Cynthia, thank you so much. We do want to uh, give everyone an idea of all the resources available. Again, as a reminder here at Women's Hospital, there are virtual consultations. You can do breast time in a live video consultation with a lactation nurse. We have online classes, uh, the Zoom classes and support groups. And so uh, you can, and then the warm line, as you mentioned, the free lactation phone consultation, and it's sort of a troubleshooting line, and that's inv- available to the entire community. The warm line number is um, 225-924-8239. That would be, that would give you directly to the, to our office, to the warm line. Perfect. And then if that, um, if it's after hours, you can still call that number and it'll roll you over to the 8286 Perfect. Um, and then the, I do want to mention that the support group. Um, is free and it's every Friday morning virtually. So that's a great um, option for moms. It's a good idea to seek that out before you start having challenges. If you're not, maybe, maybe even before you go into labor, uh, get yourself a good support group Mm -hmm. so that if you are to come upon these challenges, you're not stuck scrambling while you also have to feed your child. Exactly. And that's why, like I said, for a lot of times for our virtual consults for the breast time, um, it's a, I mean, it's a, counseling session because mom needs help. And so whether it's for breastfeeding or, okay, let's talk about, you know, let's talk about your, your day, your 24 hour period. How can we help it to be easier? Mm -hmm. How can we help you to make it easier, an easier process in general? Because it's sometimes they're constantly doing something. And so we can definitely tweak their day to make it easier for them, get more rest between feedings, you know? Um, And so, yes, I think, you know, just reaching out is huge. But overall, if you're listening to listening to this and you're a mom, you're doing great. That's right. right. You're yes. doing great. It's so important to say that to moms and for moms to hear it. It is. Yes. Keep up the good work. That's one of my favorite things to say is keep up the good work. No matter what they're doing, keep up the good work. That's right. Thank you, Cynthia. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unprivate Parts. Be sure to follow Women's Hospital on social media and follow us in your favorite podcast app. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. Thank you for listening.